0: tell me if you remember. Me if remember no telling if you remember yeah i'll never forget i'll never forget yeah. welcome to the hashtag #altscene podcast the show focuses on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations communities and events Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Hashtag Call the Scene Podcast. I want to introduce my guest who I, hmm, I think I saw her first on Twitter and then migrated to IG. And I want to say this, I never found um, value in Instagram before because I don't take pictures. And so when you shared Screen a screenshot of something I said on Instagram, I was like, oh shit, why can't I just do that? <laughs> and that's how that started. So thank you for that. So the day's guest is Sharon Holmes. Sharon, can you please introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Hi, thank you, Kim. Thank you for inviting me to your beautiful, um, amazing podcast, um, which I've really enjoyed listening to. Uh, my name's Sharon Holmes. I'm an Australian woman. I'm bivacial. And um, the work that I do is centered upon, um, I guess, causing a scene. Uh, and disrupting spiritual and entrepreneurial spaces in Australia. Um, The work that I do involves anti-racism coaching and consulting uh, for spiritual leaders and healers, as well as creatives. And um, one of the resources I created for this work was a reading and resources list for activists so that people can have this go-to 20-page document that links to um, lots of great coaches and um, education and books and links that people can learn more about how to be anti-racist in their everyday lives um, and to, I guess, disrupt the relationships they have in their own personal lives with people who are racist. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess, the core of my work really um, in, is to lead people to, to disrupt in their own spaces as well and take responsibility for themselves, um, particularly uh, the people that are privileged. All
0: right, so I always start with the two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing
1: a scene? Uh, it's important to cause a scene because um, we're all in this together. Quite often people will use the word oneness as a way to bypass what's actually really going on in the world and I believe causing a scene is important because um, there is a lot of inequity in this world and I would like to think that everything that I do leads towards bringing that equity into balance, even if I don't see it in my lifetime. Um, And how I do that through the work that I do through my workshops and my writing and my coaching, as well as sharing the work of other um, people of colour, black, Indigenous and people of colour. And I take a global perspective with that as well. So I look at Um, the dynamics in Australia and the U.S. because there's some really big similarities there and I look at around the world as well as to how um, systems of of oppression operate and the history that that has led us to be where we are today.
0: And I think that's where you and I have an affinity. I think that's where um, our paths parallel a lot because I also um, see definite parallels in australia and in the us with apartheid and slavery and the fact that apartheid only ended in my fucking lifetime um is one yeah. thing and that black and brown people all over the world have not been subjugated to it and oppressed by it um and that white supremacy is not it has not dominated the globe even in cultures where they are not the uh majority and then the historical perspective i, I really appreciate the research in a stor- historical perspective. so where you're talking about your 20 page document I have a sh- my Trello board looks ridiculous uh, for those <laughs> who, and for those who don't know Trello it's an um, organizational tool where I just save art, art, um, articles or resources and I put them in categories and so I think I have about 20 categories on this thing and at least I mean in the, the, the each category its is filled and it helps me quickly grab some articles, some videos, some something when I'm having quote unquote conversations in <laughs> um, and, and public spaces or when I'm creating a talk or a course or something, it makes it easy for me to grab those things. So I see a lot of parallels in the fact that um, I see that history, that educator part in us both. Um, so I knew you were around but as I said, I really, you came on my radar when it was Affirm Black Woman, hashtag Affirm Black Woman, Black Women. Yes. And you asked um, if you could share a, a, a screenshot of some instructions I provided on instagram and that was the first time i ever had any engagement on instagram because i had an account but again i hadn't used it in months because i was like okay this is just not i'm not a picture-taking person this just does not. <laughs> and the fact that you were able to demonstrate to me how to use that thank you um because oh, i've been you. able, you're welcome <laughs> because i've been able to grow an audience there that i don't have on twitter and people are mm. saying, Hey, thank you for showing this sharing. this. the only thing I don't like about Insta is that they don't, I'm always, everything I share has some link in it. Usually, but not everything. Most things has a link in it. And, and that's not available to every account. Although I know it's available to some people. They, they have. Yes, that.
1: that's right. Yeah. So um, in, if you look at your Insta stories, um, sometimes you see people put the swipe up, but you have to have 10,000 followers to be able to do that. And also like when you put a post up and you put because i see you do it too you put a link in the comments it's not clickable unless you're actually on a laptop or or a desktop you can't do that on your phone and you can't even real uh,
0: and and the and their laptop and their mobile app does not work the same so you it's not like you they they, yeah so but thank you for that because i was just like you know what forget damn instagram but i'm like oh okay i found a i found a people are engaging which is really interesting i'm actually having conversations there that i didn't think i would be able to have because i just i my content is just not um photogenic it's just you know yeah
1: Yeah, i think with instagram um there has been for a very long time a big focus on it look making it look perfect making it look like a show real making it look beautiful but Unfortunately, we don't live in a world that's entirely beautiful, and the things that we both write about and we both share in the news stories that we share are not pretty. They're, we're showing the very dark and unpleasant, uncomfortable parts of humanity. I threw out that whole concept about things needing to be um, presentable and, and graphically beautiful, like when you look at sort of the nine squares, I don't look, I don't create. My work for consistency, so that it looks good. I create yes. it because we need to provoke conversations like the ones that we're having every day. Yeah. Um, no yeah. matter which social media space that we use. So,
0: um, tell me. Let's talk about affirm Black women. What was what was it about that that made you want to share that beyond Twitter?
1: Um, well, probably for the last eighteen months or so. Um, I've been engaged a lot more in social justice spaces, um, whether that be private Facebook groups or just online in my on my friends list on Facebook in general. And um, because of the people that are in my community, I wanna share um, what's valuable, what's important, what needs addressing. Um, and part of my work, um, particularly last year, every Saturday I would do a post about, um, I would share, I do a shout out, basically a gutsy shout out for, um, Uh, mainly women doing great work. Um, And when I started doing that and because of um, the recognition of being in social justice spaces, I really saw how important it was for me as a biracial woman to use my platform to share the work of other women of colour because because I come from... um, being in a very whitewashed spiritual online community, as well as an in-person community, um, I could see that I had to work a whole lot harder and step up a whole lot more in order to be seen. So I wanted to be able to use my platform so that I could help others be seen and have have others be found because we do great work. and unfortunately, because whitewashing happens in so many industries, we don't usually get to have that opportunity. So I wanted to create that space. So when I saw firm Black Women, I was like, perfect, that's just another, going another level. It's something that I can share and pass on from what I found on Twitter um, to, to really, I guess, amplify um, the voices and work of black women. So it's hugely important to me.
0: And I want to make sure that I give um, credit to Elizabeth and um, Reagan, um, both on Twitter and Reagan Bird. And I don't know Elizabeth's last name. That's what I'm looking for. They're both on Twitter and on um, Insta. And I'll drop that information in the show notes um, about Affirm Black Women. But I want to make sure I gave them credit for that. So you've you brought up twice about being biracial. Why is the, what what does that mean? Was an important aspect to you?
1: Okay, so um, when I was going through the process of, I guess, I guess, personal healing through trauma, um, uh, a big portion of my lived experience has been uh, racial bullying. Um, so I didn't realize when I was starting to get involved in personal development and personal growth that my identities really do matter. Because what I was seeing was I wasn't seeing myself. Just like when I was a little girl, I didn't see biracial people on covers of magazines or at the news desk on the, on the TV um, or in the newspapers with bylines. Um, and for a long time, I didn't think that me being biracial mattered. Um, and the more that I went into my personal growth work, I realized that it was a part of me that was being erased because of the culture that we live in. And Australia is a multicultural country, um, but it forces people who who um, come from, immig- from immigrant families to assimilate. So we don't get to be all that we are and accept all that we are because we need to fit into whatever whiteness is in our respective countries. When I looked back at my personal history and I n- realised that the racial bullying had a massive impact on me during school, um... it it actually came about because I I rejected a boy. So my racial bullying experience originally came from the – re was gender-based, I suppose, and then it led to to racial abuse, which happened daily. And um, the impact that had on my life was that um, I did not do great in the final years of high school. Um, I didn't get to go to uni and study what I really wanted to because I was just so – put down and I guess depressed by what I was experiencing. And there was no, even though I went to a multicultural school, I really copped it bad because it was gender-based. It started with rejecting a boy and then being abused racially by his, him, him and his friends for the final two years of my high school. So it really impacted my future prospects like my career and also, um, my identity, my sense of belonging, um, my wanting, like, you know, wanting to fit in, but also thinking this is really confusing being biracial. And there were no books at the time. And, and it's not something my parents talked about, you know, my dad's Northern Irish and my mum's um, Chinese Indonesian. So born in Indonesia of Chinese ancestry. Um, and that has its whole like own history of its own right there in terms of trauma. Um, so for me, in it's almost, it seems ridiculous to think now, you know, being in my forties and being on this personal growth path for maybe the last eight or nine years to think that it took me this long for to realise that my identity does matter um, because there's, there's, you know, there is just a lot of biracial erasure as well um, and it doesn't matter what your, your, you know, your mixed background is. So I guess for me I wanted to, I guess, represent myself but also help other biracial and mixed-race people represent want to represent themselves as well you know um and from the feedback that i've received um that's helped people a lot um to be able to speak up and own who they are
0: and that's why i wanted to bring that up because i didn't want that to pass by because you've said it twice and so i was like there's something important in that message and I, and you're absolutely right it's it's and it's and it's it's insidious and it's not and not to take away from the fact that you're biracial but it also happens with me being a black woman, we're taught mm. that our race does not matter, and that's an, another way of cultify, um, um, calming us down, of of making us see whiteness as the ideal. Because um, when mm. our race doesn't matter um, and our and is not attached to our identities, mm. then we don't have an argument for being anti. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say it, anti-whiteness. Um and it's not anti-whiteness as if I hate white people. It's your your whiteness is anti-blackness.
1: That's right. It's a yeah, it is. It is. And and um, for yeah, me to embrace
0: that. and for me to embrace whiteness requires, based on your system, that I deny or denounce my blackness.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the problem. That's a massive problem. And, and um, that
0: becomes a head fuck for us because we're like, well, but I'm black. But no, we live in a you know multicultural, r- r- and we don't see color. And and you're bringing this up. And so we see this now when we talk about mm. you know just to say hey I'm black or just for you to say hey I'm biracial. Why you already got to bring up race? Because that's what I am.
1: I am. Yeah, black exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and when and when you when you own your identity, you you come up against more of that stonewalling like oh um we end up becoming described in particular ways like with stereotypes that people But the tend thing to is view. we've
0: always been that we just see that yeah, we're that's all, the, yeah that's the whole thing they've all whiteness has always stereotyped us they've always put us in a the mm. box they've always had the permission to describe us but now when we're saying no we're taking that narrative and I'm going to describe myself that's when the pushback comes because it says yes how you've been describing me is incorrect and inappropriate and I'm not I have a, my own voice and that's the pushback that's the same mm-hmm. oh why are you guys talking about fuck we've been talking about race forever no excuse me you've been talking about race forever the fact that you call me <laughs> black but when I call you white it's a problem
1: that's it. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 everything has been seen through the lens of other races. It's it's like mm. you being um, Chinese Indonesian. Um, that, and I don't want to speak for you, but the fact that that is the, I, When you say that's what you were bullied from about? If you were, if it was the white, if you weren't distinctly looked as if you were Chinese, a, Indonesian, they wouldn't have that racial thing, would have had that to argue with you about or pick on you about because you would have been just an Irish. You know, they wouldn't have... Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, can, you can imagine as a teenager and as a child how confusing it is when someone tells you go to, to go back to your own country and you're like, but that's two countries. <laughs> like, what are you saying? And, you know, and then, yeah. And in a lot of ways, um, Kim, I disassociated from being Australian. Like I had an Australian passport, but I'm like, I'm Australian on paper, but I don't feel Australian because that's not the way that I got treated Mm -hmm. for a lot of, a lot Mm -hmm. of my upbringing, you know, um, all those, those developmental years when you're trying to find your place in the world, when you're trying to find your voice and I was just squashed and silenced. Um, and that's not to say I didn't stand up for myself, but it was exhausting. Oh, that's not what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. was exhausting today yeah. dealing with strangers online. It was yeah. exhausting dealing with that every day walking into the schoolyard and being um, verbally abused.
0: So what happened? Did you report it? I, I'm trying to figure out what the adults around you did.
1: You know what? And I don't think you're going to uh, be shocked, but <laughs> because of the faculty at the school and what it looked like, I didn't see that. And, and who was the head of the school? I didn't see any point in bringing it up. Yeah. I had no faith that I would be taking care of. Yeah. Um, I spoke to my dad and he was, you know, fiery. He wanted to go down. there. I said, look, dad, it's not going to make a difference. This was just before this was, I finished high school, um, a year before the anti-discrimination act, um, was instituted and included, um, the the racist racist stuff i can't remember the exact details in the act because i haven't read the act for quite some time Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. so there was no and it was at a time when schools didn't have anti-bullying policies and that's not to say because when a school does have an anti-bullying policy that it's actually followed to the letter because i know that for sure yeah as well today um so yeah i didn't feel that there was any there was any way around it so i just had to endure it which sucked yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: you know, I'm only. You know, it's like 20, 24 years on from when I finished high school, and um, I'm only in this year have I been studying what I really wanted to do all along. And that's what people don't get. It's like you're like, oh, that was, you know,
0: oh, that was years ago. Why is that still bothering? Why are we still talking about that? Because that shit is trauma, and it it, it does not go away. If you, trauma does not go away unless you heal it. It just sits there and festers. Um, yes. And if we don't have the words, or the experiences, or the or the the examples of people who've done this, and this is another reason why I just I'm just as hard as it is. I just even when I'm upset, or you know, have been attacked, or questioned, or whatever, um, all those things, I still show up because people need to see all of that. They need to see we have been. Again, when you when you assimilate to whiteness, and I wouldn't even have said that I did that, but I know that's what I did because that's what middle-class life is. I was in education. Mm-hmm. Education is about whiteness. It's about middle-class mm-hmm. values. And so, although it's very uncomfortable for me, I know that by being that transparent, being that vulnerable... Um, in a very public space, in a space that, you know, it's recorded, it's not going away. Um, It's going to help someone who recognizes that that's what that thing is.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's my objective. (laughs) Um, The number of times I've been told you shouldn't share your feelings because that will just um, cause people to pity you and feel sorry for you. Um, That was really bad advice. And that's something that um, was said to me just recently. Um, oh, wow. And, and I'm an empath and I'm a highly sensitive person and yes. I'm doing very difficult, challenging work. And if I don't put my feelings into it, that means I'm not putting my heart into it. So what's the point?
0: And, 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 and it only further perpetuates the idea that this does not cause harm, that this work yeah. for us is is something, oh, this, I love the people. Oh, you're just doing this to make money. Do you fucking, are you, what the <laughs> Are you say? Do you know how many other skills I have that I can that I can make money off mm-hmm. of? Do you really under? Yeah. I do you understand how much I ran from this over the years since no. i entered intertech because I did not want to do this, and this is actually the only thing that that my spirit tells me I need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. This is. Do you not? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I, yeah. I, the disbelief at the at the level of gall people have at how we, who are actually doing the real work should show up and do the real work.
1: (laughs) I, um, yeah. If you're going to show up, you have to show up fully because it's noticed. I can see when people are using only half their ass, you know? Uh,
0: hmm yeah. Oh, and it reads in their tweets, it reads in their messages, it reads in their, um, you can go down their timeline, you're like, oh, okay, well, that contradicts that. Or that, mm, you didn't, mm. That, that, that response was kind of, like, rote. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, mm, okay. There's really no, and, and, to, and I have to admit, my audience are, um, are white people literally are white people and more specifically and it's amazing to me that it's although i do it started with white men it's shifted a lot to white women um Mm. i've been highlighting their their problematic behaviors and and it's white women who are recognizing that they're causing harm to people that they care about or the communities that they say they care about and um if i don't show them what this looks like, they don't know the pain they're causing.
1: No, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 can relate to that. Um, my audience is is more than 80% women. Um, and through this work, um, yeah, I mean, the majority would definitely be white women. Um, but obviously, uh, given my identities as well, um, I have, a, a, a lot of, uh, Women in colour, Black, Indigenous, and and women of colour following me as well, Um, because we need to be able to see that someone's sharing stories that we relate to, you know, through our lens, you know, our different lenses, you know, how do we see the world? How do we see our perspectives? Because not everyone wants to get on a podcast or write um, a full on post about what's going on in the world. But if people can see that their stories matter through our stories, then that's the impact that matters to me.
0: And that's because what I've been. That's where it's like when I get off stage and I've said something, and black women come to me hugging and crying and telling me thank you. I know I've got the message right.
1: Hmm.
0: It's like I'm not speaking for them, but I'm speaking on behalf of the ones who don't have the privilege to to risk what I can risk in hmm. speaking up. Um, and I take that very very seriously, and and I and I and and I don't take that for granted. Because mm-hmm. I recognize that as a black woman in the United States, my ancestry is slavery. And so I'm speaking for those women who've had to carry the burden of a nation mm-hmm. on their backs and continue to do so, uh, and yet cannot scream out and say this hurts. Cannot mm-hmm. say that I'm in pain. Cannot say that this is that I am, I, I've been traumatized. They can't say it and and for anyone to tell me who's not had my experience how I should do this you have some fucking gall i mean it's just like <laughs> man but that's what and that and that's happened to me with whiteness and also other people of color who are um who are model minorities and um who are who by immigrating they have benefited from white privilege because they yes. are um, uh, anything, any, everybody wants to be anything but black or at, um, black us citizen, mm. you know? Um, and yeah. I don't know what that's like in, in, I don't know what group that will be in Australia. Um, I don't know if that will be indigenous, um, communities, yes. but there's yeah. one group of people who are dark skinned who nobody wants to be like. <laughs> mm.
1: And, you know, there was a quote that I saw recently, which was, um, and I can't remember who said it so forgive me for not being able to provide a reference to it, um, said that um, in America, American means white, everyone else has to uh, hyphenate. Yes. And I would say the same, is, the same happens here. Mind you, I don't see people using hyphens between Asian and Australian or Indigenous Australian or Aboriginal Australian, for example, but um, we have to qualify our existence by saying this is who I am. And it becomes long. So, you know, I remember when people used to say to me, where are you from? Or, and I I mean, you get this question asked thousands of times by the time you're 42 years old and you kind of get sick of it and it becomes very long. So you just either don't answer the question or you continue with your long thing. And you have to explain, this is where my dad's from. This is where my mum's from. Yes, I was born here. My parents met here, blah, blah. It's a very long story. You can't just go, I'm Australian.
0: To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag cause I'm Australian. Yes. And that's the end of it
1: with a white person. Like that's they get they get to summarize like perfectly. And that's why I
0: don't say and that's why I just say I'm black. I do not say I'm African-American. And I didn't know why I didn't. I never that title that that moniker never fit me, even when it came out. And I didn't know why. And now I definitely know why. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, um, it's, um, it's the, it's uh, to use the word American as we use it as the world use it is arrogant in itself because it says that there is nothing else in America. There is a North, South and Central America and it negates Mm -hmm. everybody else. So even in that they're having to qualify themselves outside of the U S because we've taken that on. Um, and then for that very reason, I'm black, I'm not African-American. I am black. Mm -hmm. Um, you are white. And that's where we're going to go with this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think one of the challenges that happens um, in the online space is we say how we identify and people want to question that. <gasps> yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see it in, in, in um, LGBTQ communities, you see mm-hmm. it in definitely in the trans community um, where people are challenged with how they yeah. identify themselves
1: yeah as though that's um as though that's so hard to wrap someone's head around that someone ha- can choose how they identify
0: and that exactly and, and 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 not only choose but that you actually get a choice in what they say i mean that's arrogant in itself that oh pff, i can tell you that's not right who the hell are
1: you mm. <laughs> Exactly. I just want to go back to something that you said Mm -hmm. earlier about, um, talking on the stage and how black women approach you and, and crime are thankful for the work that you do. Um, and and I'm going to just speak from my experience. Whilst, um, my work, um, is paid for and I'm hired by white women. Um, ultimately the work I do is for women of color Mm -hmm. because, you know, we provide that space. Yeah, sure. It looks like we're holding space and providing space for white women or white people to learn, but ultimately it's to support people who are like us or who are, who don't identify as white. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because it's their work to do. It's their, they have, to, and, and because again, oh my God, you just connected it because again, being Australian, being a US citizen is automatically the default is white. They've never had to, and I've been, I've been saying this, but you just, they've never had to examine anything because they're the default.
1: Yeah. And and, and so for
0: them to, for them to be able to aid me and you and our work, there's work they need to do to understand what the, don't go out here and, and think, you know, because you read some book or you went to some something, you don't know our experience. It's just like I said, I, speak, I don't speak for black women. I speak on behalf of black women. Do not speak for us. All you can do is try. I'm even hesitant to say speak on our behalf. I prefer you just to amplify my voice.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, that's what I believe in. I believe in amplifying the voices of others. I obviously have a biracial identity, and there is no one else in my Family with my identity, either. Oh, wow. so, Are you an only child? Um, I'm an only child. Oh, wow. So, so
0: you yeah, didn't have so, anybody, you didn't even have anybody to commiserate with when that was going on. Who, no, who had, who no I didn't. I had a identity.
1: Yeah, and so whilst um, I have a lot more biracial and mixed race followers, um, none of them have the same identity that I do. So I always say, I speak for myself, but you might relate to this experience yes. or you mm-hmm. might relate to the story and um, and if there is a story that's told that is not my story and um, yes. I do my best to be compassionate and, and understand, I amplify that story. I so amplify I'm not going to
0: retell that story. Exactly. That's exactly.
1: right. So I, I don't, you know, so every, and I think sometimes it gets confused or maybe it's just whiteness tries to confuse and say that we are speaking for each other. We don't actually speak for each yes, other. Yes, exactly. Constantly, and I've noticed this with some of my friends um, as well um, who have non-white identities, always having to say, I'm speaking for myself here. This is my opinion. And this is my story. And yes. this is my experience. And you that can't, constant it, justification. Yeah,
0: you can't invalidate um, my lived experience. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because and, you, um, because it doesn't look familiar to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so when whiteness is the default, it means that we all have to do more work to explain who we are, what we do, who we're here for. Yes. And that's exhausting, as well as all the other stuff we deal with. Yes. Um, So, you know, it it frustrates me. I I sometimes think of whiteness in this way, like, you know, when you're using. excel spreadsheets or something and there's like a drop down menu or when you're in a shopping cart and there's a drop down menu and i just imagine i picture whiteness is the first default is whiteness is the default and constantly being frustrated that that's what it is
0: yeah and you can't change you can't change the settings <laughs> you can't
1: change the setting and it's it's easy for people who identify as white mm-hmm. everything is so easy
0: yeah yeah
1: so yeah. I always end up having arguments with people in my daily life, um, and but now, uh, with stronger boundaries, I'm not gonna engage with that anymore. Yeah, also, Read yeah. my posts, yeah. oh, <laughs> listen yeah. to the podcast.
0: Exactly, <laughs> I don't, I, that's my strategy. And um, it's, it's very, and, so it's very and, and I love how people who I, and I don't even, and so, this, was, this is what's funny. I never, I'm not, not gonna say never, I rarely engage them directly. I, use, mm. I will definitely quote retweet because I'm not talking to you. Um, <laughs> what I'm doing is so that my followers, um, I've already made a decision. Is this a conversation that they can benefit from? And if mm. it's a conversation they can benefit from, then let me do this. But I better see some engagement on their end when I'm doing this or we, I have a problem with them. And so they get, they get all... Arrogant and egocentric, and think I'm talking to them. And you, that I'm like, dude. And I'm thinking in my brain, I'm not even talking to you. You are are t- but a tool. <laughs> you're <laughs> but a puppet in this in this in this thing. Here. And they get like, and they're like, oh, and now you're angry. I'm like, dude. I- I'm not even talking to you. How can I be angry at you when I'm not even talking to you? What I'm doing is making an ass out of you. I'm gaslighting you and you don't even realize it. But thank you. Um, and so that is just my strategy. Yeah, I definitely do not engage with everybody. Mm. I'm not going to um, have a conversation with a straight up racist. I'm just, I'm just not. Um, no, I take that back because all white people are racist to me. So let me put it this way. I'm not going to engage with um, someone who is a white supremacist who's spewing hate speech that i'll leave that to somebody else on twitter i'm not that's mm-hmm. not um my audience is not going to learn anything from from me from that because i can't what am i trying to say i can't there's nowhere to go in the conversation
1: yeah Larry. and you see and when you know that yeah. that's just it saves
0: so, saves time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's nowhere, we, we're, our starting places, our definition of starting places is not the same. So there's no educational benefit in having these conversations. They can see this somewhere else. Um, like I had a conversation with a guy on Insta today, and he I shared something about, it was from, um, I know her name, but I'm going to mess it up right now. But, um. Uh, Zora um, Neale Hurston I knew it was yes. <laughs> yes, <okay>. Zora <laughs> <Sorry> Neale Hurston <laughs> but so it was something uh, something from her book um, Eyes Watching God and it was uh, something that I got from a website that gave a gave a um, uh, a passage and someone was critiquing it he went on he tried to challenge the why black men or they've been a part of the struggle blah 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 and I was like okay dude let me break this down to you and, and, and only because I felt because he, he challenged me twice. Um, he, he challenged me in my thing, my, my three. And then, um, he re shared it and then attributed it to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to address this. And my thing was, dude, um, this is where this, I don't know if you know about whole tip. Um, and, and and, I've only heard it a
1: couple of times. I haven't recently. Well, the the
0: whole tip that exists now, it's, it's a, it's, it's, Without giving, I really I've studied it years ago, so I'm so I don't give any misinformation. It is basically about black identity, black pride, black um, self worth, and so people who are followers of HoTIP are black men and black women, who particularly black men who um, who pride, are, are proudful of being black are powerful of being their, uh, their ancestors, hold up the culture, hold up their identities. This version of Hotep now is anti-black woman. Um, it looks hmm. to say, why are black women defaming, um, maligning black men? And I had to point out to him, sir, um, and he was, and let me explain something to you. It's, to say that black women have no right to tell you to share what their their lived experiences are is a problem. I find that problematic. Whether you like it or not, that is what their perception of their experiences are with black men now. And he was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to focus on black men. Well, then do that because that's helpful if that's something you don't. You know, if you f- I find that it's best for you to put that energy into um, Black men, because once Black men and Black women heal separately, then we can come together. But until Black women are, are given the space, because we've never had the fucking space to talk about our pain to talk about how we're the bottom of everything we don't have the we have the gender um, parity and the the racial parity so we're at the very bottom and until we're given the space to actually articulate that and 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 to acknowledge that oh shit it's not in my head because we've been gaslit so much that Mm -hmm. nothing heals we will not heal as a community so sir, I get what you're saying, but I need you to stop shaming black women for telling their stories because it's their lived experience. And we are not in, this is not binary. This is not a zero sum game. Her telling her story, her lived experience is not the totality of all the hundreds and millions and billions of lived experiences out there. It's hers. That's
1: right. Mm.
0: And that's the, and, and, and to bring this all around, this is where I, that, that these individuals who talk about reverse racism and anti-whiteness and, this, that, <laughs> and all this crap is, for the first time, people of color, people who are not white are pushing back and saying no. You don't get to tell my story. You are not the expert of my lived experience. And and because I'm telling you no, and you've always had power, now you be- believe you've been discriminated against. You have no idea what discrimination looks like, but because you're no longer getting your way, that's what it feels like to you.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's in- <laughs> everything you just said, everything you just said. I'm just thinking of numerous stories and... Um, <laughs> things that I've witnessed and experienced just all through what you just said. Yeah.
0: And it's, 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 heartbreaking in a way, but it's necessary. And, and this is why I keep telling people, we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We need mm-hmm. every person of color to be able to tell their story. And that makes you uncomfortable. Then did sit in that discomfort and, 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 and question, have I had any role in being complacent, compla- uh, complicit in creating this 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 situation and if i have not then what am i upset about this is their experience mm. and if i have what can i do to ensure that i don't do that in the future if that's not what i want to be the 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 legacy i want to leave behind mm. to me it's that it's that's it's that simple it's that it's although it's a very complex way of i mean it's it's not a simple process in getting there but it's simple decisions to make one did i contribute to this yes or no yes hmm do i want to continue to contribute to this yes or no no then i have fucking work to do yes oh i want to continue to contribute to this then own that your ass is a racist or you white supremacist or whatever the hell it is and keep moving you know stop playing mm-hmm. the victim <laughs>
1: Yeah, and there is a lot of playing the victim, um, I've noticed, certainly. Did you in, see, in yeah, I, I guess think. there's
0: a guy in Australia today, and this this recording won't be aired until December or so, but there's a I guess you guys just had an election, and there's a guy in who tweets, he's a personality, and now he's suing people for retweeting his stuff because he says that they it's
1: bullying him? Oh gosh, who's that?
0: Okay, let me there's find it because so I many. retweeted it today. So there's just, you... there's just so many. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's there's said... a lot of
1: fragility over here.
0: Oh, I, oh my God! He was saying, um, "Let me find it." Mm. That it was that people were, that and he was actually gonna start suing people for retweeting his stuff. It's actually a video. Uh, okay, there it is. Um, the sleeping giant. His name is Rowan Dean. I don't even know if I know who that is. Rowan, let me. I'm gonna go to Insta. I'm gonna. um, His name. So he says. um, So Sleeping Giant. Here is this this movement that is calling out all these advertisers who are many of them don't even know that they're being their ever their products and stuff are being advertised uh, on uh, Breitbart. And so um, this is Oz. So this is their version of it. Um, this is the Australian version of Sleeping Giants. And it says, "Giant legal notice: Rowan Dean is going is going. I guess going to sue uh, Sleeping Giant Oz and others who post about things he actually says on Sky News, plus Twitter users who retweet those posts. Because apparently none of us are allowed to share his opinions."
1: Right okay that's that's interesting. Exactly so, so you put it on broadcast on Sky News <laughs> Yes. But you are now not allowed to share it on social media well,
0: ex- and and the stuff that he shares on social media you're not allowed to share so he's gonna start wow. suing yeah he's gonna wow. start suing he's, yeah he's
1: gonna be he's gonna be busy. Oh well, yeah I hope <laughs> he has time. I hope
0: he has a lot of money um because yes he's definitely going to be busy um so yeah um that is so it's i find it it's a lot lately well not like lately but you know people are it's it's um everybody's a victim everybody's a, a when you're not even, you don't even know what this, and that's what pissed me off. You don't even know what discrimination is. You have no yeah. freaking clue. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: <laughs> like it's, it's expanding the definition of, of discrimination and, and what being a victim is to fit whatever white person is feeling fragile, basically. Exactly, exactly.
0: It, uh, it's just like, oh, uh, infuriating. Um, and it gets mm. to a thing where you're just like, ah. Uh, but then you say, okay, you know what? Um, I'm going to pick my battles here, and this is not a battle I want to um, fight. And so I'm going to just, um, just like, ignore you. <laughs> um, and that's what I end up doing, and I'm trying to figure out, and this is where, again, when I talk about that, I don't like Insta, because I have it, but I can't do it on the, on the um, send you the link via um, the um website i have to send it to you add it to my phone and send it to you that way so you can see oh okay all
1: right yeah
0: (laughs) but um yeah and so it's it's like everybody wants to be a victim and it's like do you do you really know what victim means i mean it's like who the hell wants to be
1: and interestingly also not taking personal responsibility for what they put out into the world oh, as well. Yes,
0: it's all so okay, it's let's everyone else's let's, fault Let's talk about that. Oh my God, let's talk about that because so there there was a guy that was um, so after the um, the many school shootings, there was a big push to everybody needs to be armed. Well, we already know that everybody does not include black people. That definitely they weren't including us. So yeah. yesterday, I think it was was today Monday. I think it was saturday there was a black man at a mall in alabama who um had a weapon but he's a military guy and was a had legal weapon and was um killed by the cops because they thought it was him and then they make a mistake but now to shift blame they're saying he shouldn't have had his weapon out but well what what but didn't you say there was a that was an active shooter I don't know the story, but according to their, how they've set it up, if there's an active shooter, someone with a gun, the good guy is supposed to go in and, and you know, to, um, to help. So I don't even know if that was the case, but if there is an active shooter and there was a good guy with a legal gun, why is he dead? After mm-hmm. last week when there was a uh, shooting at a club and one of the
1: bouncers who had the
0: the assailant Mm -hmm. in custody had him on the ground, get shot and killed.
1: Yeah, so anyone who says whiteness doesn't exist is just kidding themselves, really. And
0: and, and to say... Yeah, and to say that, um, then to the turn it on them, because that's what we were just talking about. Just, you know, oh, 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 it's not, oh, we didn't mean y'all. No, no we didn't mean y'all. We, 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 Oh, y'all thought, we. no, we weren't talking about you. We definitely weren't talking about you guys having guns because that doesn't save us either. So we are damned if you don't have a gun. You're damned if you do have a gun. It's just like, you can't win for you losing, but yet they can still frame that to be a victim. It's like, how the hell are you a victim?
1: And it's interesting, isn't it, the, um, the way that institutions will always choose whiteness and will always follow through on whatever system of oppression is in play to suit its own needs and benefits, even if it is wrong, even if it has broken the law itself by shooting someone they shouldn't have shot. Mm-hmm.
0: And, 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 and speaks specifically to why white supremacy is at the root of all of this. It and from is. people who do not, who refuse to see that, then that's just your refusal to see that. You cannot tell me that white supremacy, as we define it, as someone who's who sees their race whiteness as better than others, and how mm-hmm. these rules are set up, and how education is set up, and how healthcare is set up, and how all these different things, how um, criminal justice system is set up, and not mm-hmm. say that white supremacy is not deeply rooted into all of these institutions and and thus goes to your question of why no matter how whatever the outcome black guy not doing anything wrong black guy doing something wrong black guy minding his own damn business it can always be spun that it's the black guy's fault
1: that's right yeah and children black children oh uh, yeah
0: well. yeah because white kids are always mm-hmm. they can be the same age but white kids are adults I mean, black That's kids like, are adults and yeah, white kids yeah. are, are yeah. infants. They're all that. He, they didn't mean, they're just young men. They're just sowing their oats. They're just, you mm-hmm. know, being being kids. But a black child mm-hmm. at 10 is considered an adult. What the hell?
1: Yeah, and whiteness tends to infantilize itself. Yes. Um, I had a conversation last week where we spoke about this, about um, how whiteness, I guess, in the the reference point in this conversation was um, white women. Um, but just infantilizing themselves and um you you don't see that parallel happening with with black women or brown women and not allowed. See, we're
0: not, not allowed, allowed no. and
1: and you don't see that with black children um no. it's heartbreaking to see black children described as men when they are children Is and it? the way um white children and white men young white men and and white boys who shoot up schools uh infantilized as well they never or,
0: described or, or, and and it's always a mental illness it's never they can yes. never be a helicopter before but i give exactly. this i want to give this illustration cuz i give this often i ask people in the group if you don't think there's a difference between white and black where and we and we're speaking to this right now when you go to a restaurant how are black kids um behaving in a restaurant all the black people will say they sit next to their parents they might have a tablet whatever mm. they are sitting down what are white kids doing? They are running around the fucking restaurant. Um, mm. And no, one's paying, no one is, is monitoring them because they know that they're, they are taught that this is their space. And so even in that situation, black kids are taught to adult behavior, how to sit in the restaurant. We do that very early. We take our kids to the restaurant so they can learn how to behave in a restaurant, not white kids they can be as childish as they want to. They can go on the tables. They can do anything they want to. And if something happens, me, it's everybody else's fault.
1: <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, yeah, I'm laughing, not because I think it's funny, but because it's just alarmingly true.
0: And it's so funny and it goes, and, and, and I want to wrap this up going back to where we talk about at the beginning about how we've been indoctrinated to, to So that our race, our identities don't exist or don't matter where theirs does. And that speaks to that. So we want to be invisible when we go out. We don't want to cause mm. a scene. That's why I tell people, fuck you and this civility. Civility is optional for white people and is the expected behavior of people of color. Because when we're mm. not, um, when we are not in line and doing what people, you know, That's why we get, why aren't you being, why are you talking like that? That, That's not, we get all of that because that is our expected behavior. When we step outside of that, that's when we become the challenge. That's when we become defensive. That's when I'm always angry and all these other things. No, I have an opinion, and for once, I'm not gonna, sh- I'm not gonna sh- um, silence myself for your comfort. Um, mm-hmm. And so it speaks to all of the things we've been talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm happy. And because-
1: I was just going to say, and I've lost count of the number of times where a white person has come into my online space and um, is demanding and um, commentating on what I've written, um, playing devil's advocate, doing mm-hmm. all of the usual white fragility things. Um, and then asks me to be civil, and then asks yes. me to be polite. And yes. then I'm like, what energy did you come into my space with? What energy did you come? into my space with, and you now want me to be civil? Yes. You can find well, to be
0: the civil. fact that you get asked is, I, I get demanded. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They exactly they can come in off the bat. And this is what's so funny. They'll come in, have obviously have not looked at my Twitter, have not done any mm-hmm. research on who I am and how I behave on Twitter. And you'll say something. And then when I clap back or someone says, then it's my fault. No, 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 no. You have every right to say what the hell you want to on your timeline. When you come in mind, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And you will not, I will not allow you to hijack my conversation.
1: Mm. And this is why I say, um, take responsibility for the energy you bring into my yes. space or yes. any person of color space. Yes. Be responsible for that. Stop offloading it and blaming it on blaming the response on the person rather than yourself who brought it in the first place. Exactly. And I guess one, one thing that just came to mind when we were talking was, um, how whiteness has been in denial mode ever since it was conceived. Oh, It's that's a deep. long time. That's deep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm. Oh, that's deep. So is, is that what you want to end on? Or do you want to say something yeah. else?
1: Yeah. I would like to end on whiteness has been in denial since its conception. <sighs> that's deep
0: all right so thank you so much Sharon for sharing this time with us this has been a great conversation and I knew it would be um thank you for supporting me and my work and um for hey introducing me to Instagram
1: (laughs) ah you're welcome thank you I've, I've really enjoyed connecting with you and and following you and um sharing your perspectives and amplifying your voice um Yeah, and I look forward to continuing that that connection. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: All right, and have a wonderful day.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtaghadacene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at hashtag call the scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.